like the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Welcome to the London Western Podcast. My name is Robert Fuller, and returning to the show is Trey Obi. Trey, welcome back. Hey, hey! This has been so long ago. It's, yeah. uh, it's been a. I, I always do that joke, and that joke never gets old. So you know, keep doing the keep doing the jokes that uh, are still good. Yeah. Um, and we are continuing our series of ten years of Money in the Bank, and we are talking about the matches at. The first ever Money in the Bank pay per view took place in 2010. Um, so, Trey, this is this is a unique year because we've actually had this would be after this would be the second or third of three Money in the Bank ladder matches in one year. Um, did you think it was a good year to, to start doing it, or perhaps wait until the next year and then start it? The Money in the Bank pay per view 2011. Honestly, it's. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel like that this pay per view over time, thankfully, because of the like the year later and the narrative that created, it made it a little bit easier. But uh, doing doing what ends up being three of these matches in one year is more than a bit much, and it also as seen by the people that win these matches, uh, like you, we already seen that Jack Swagger won, like the you know one in one at twenty six. Yeah, it really easily makes a situation where it's just like you know that these people aren't that all of the people that win these matches aren't going to be big deals. They'll win the title, sure, but like you know, obviously. I mean, Jack Swagger, in fairness, did did have the championship going into the like did fight for the championship going into the show, but uh, this is about the last moment that he would be relevant at that level for at least a while, if yeah. not basically forever. I mean, I guess the Del Rio, but regardless of that, yeah, it was a bit it was a bit overkill. Although, I mean, it did create an interesting scenario with this show. But it was still overkill. Yeah. Um, so with these two matches, we'll start with the SmackDown match first because that was the uh, the first match of the show. Um, the competitors were Big Show, Christian, Matt Hardy, Kane, Kobe Simpson, uh, Dashi Cody Rhodes, uh, Drew McIntyre, who was the chosen one, and uh, Dolph Ziggler. Uh, do you think that was a good group of guys to go for this match? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's they. I mean. It had a lot of similarities to the uh, WrestleMania 25 one that uh, we saw, but um, in a sense, I feel like there was more guys there that you could buy that they were actually going to... It feels like that they weren't really going to, like... Like, even even if, like, Drew McIntyre is supposed to be, you know, is kind of running out here as this uh, guy that's... Uh, you could see as a credible future star, even if that time is running out. 
you could conceivably see him winning the match or, you know, someone like, I mean, maybe not Kofi at this point, but like, you know, Kofi still hadn't totally lost his luster and they could, you know, they could, they could still push him or even someone like Cody Rhodes, who I don't know if at the time he would have needed something like a, like his briefcase. Cause yeah. like, I think more or, or even, or, or even Dolph, like, like this is probably about the first points in uh, his run where Dolph Ziggler was being seen as a relatively serious competitor and not, you know, a joke character that uh, they named after, you know, you know, Mark Wahlberg's character, Boogie Nights, you yeah, know, uh... like basically. So in comparison to even like the free, like to the previous year or even to the one in, you know, the one at 26, there was quite a few people that you could see actually, you know, doing this. Yeah, I think so. Um, with this one, I mean, uh, there's not really... I think we all did look money about ladder matches. There's very little story going into them. So, I mean, this one, they just kind of announced uh, six of the competitors and then... Um, um, a couple of them had to go through qualifying matches as well. Um so that's pretty much what they did there. Um, so, but a few things changed a little bit. Uh, but, but with the war one, especially, um, Audrey was supposed to be taking part in the war match, but the Miz attacked him and he got injured. And then, um, so he got taken out of the match. And Mark Henry became the replacement of that. But we'll get to that one later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with the SmackDown one, it all starts with, um, as pretty much like the Westminster 25 match. Uh, Big <laughs> yep. Show and Kane get attacked because they're the big guy, so Westland largely dictates they get attacked first. Um, while that's happening, uh, Cody Wells decides to go, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm guessing the ladder and climbs up. But, um, Show slaps him off the ladder and then he gets punched down by Kane. Uh, Show and Kane fight for a bit and then Kane gets knocked down. Um, Show tries to climb up, but, uh, the ladder is not designed for someone of his size because he breaks the first one. <laughs> And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is, I shouldn't be laughing because I'm 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 only about half foot smaller than he is, but I just see that I'm just like yeah, I can see where you're coming from because uh, he's a big guy as well. But he breaks it and then he tries to grab another one, but that breaks as well. And he's like, oh, you know, fuck's sake, like so. Um, so he he decides to um, try to um, get another one. Um, I believe this is the point when uh, they are trying to, like... Is this the point when they introduce the uh, ladder that's under the ring as the one that is specifically designed for the big show? Yeah, but is, he, he, uh, he doesn't get that for another, like, ten minutes in this match. This oh, match yeah, like, like I think minutes. I think he try Like, I want to say I think he tries to get it, and then, like, Cody's, like, just start beating him up. Yeah, it's like, nope. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Hardy... Uh, Matt Hardy, Christian, Kofi, and McIntyre all attack the show, but he deals with them quite easily. Um, he headbutts Dolph and then falls a ladder at Kane. And this is when he starts to get his own ladder. But um, everyone but Bar Kane well, stops that from happening and show gets thrown to the steps. Uh, McIntyre catapults Christian into a ladder and then he starts to climb up, but Matt attacks him with another ladder. Uh, Matt starts to climb up, but Christian you know, pulls him off. You get, you get a lot of this match here, you know, they start to climb up, and then someone goes, no, and pulls him down. And, mm. um, I said before the Westman 25 is that I do like these kind of matches, they're very fast paced, a lot of good spots, but they do always have the same spots as well, like, 
Imperial climbing up. Like we, as as the match goes longer, 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 you get to see people um, go from I, like yeah. go fast up the step to ladder to going up as slow as possible. Yeah, I there was a really bad one in um, uh, the raw one, but uh, we'll we'll get to that obviously. But you know, there's 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 ones where it's like, oh come on, <laughs> you yeah, know, definitely. you can go faster than that. Um, so yeah, it was Christian and, and Matt Hardy trying to exchange going up and then getting pulled off. Um, and then Cody tries to climb up. Cody stops him. Uh, but Dolph sends Cody's head into the ladder to stop him from going up the ladder as well. Um, Digger goes up and grabs the briefcase, but he can't unhook it. Uh, but he's stopped by Christian, and then they fight to the top of the ladder before Christian gets thrown off. By the way, that's my other favorite uh, dumb spot in this, when they are like, we are, tech- we are experts at causing every single competitor in the ring to uh, get uh, laid out so that we can go up there. But we can't unhook a thing. Oh yeah, no, it's like Jack Swagger. It takes like ten minutes to unhook it earlier. earlier oh god, here. yeah, that's right. That's and it's worse because that's like the finish of the match too. Yeah, the thing that the thing that got me was that um, I saw the DVD, so I didn't obviously they cut they cut out that bit. You see him just get it and then unhook oh, it straight away. It wasn't until a year later where speaking to someone on Skype who was at that match. He told me if he, he, he took ages because the hooker, he knows he's going to win it because there's no one nearby. And, like, he, and so he's thinking, oh, right, he's won this. And they just took forever trying to do the hooker. Um, so, yeah, so when we get to that, um, there's a bit where um, Chris is on top of the ladder and then Matt topples it, but Chris lands on his feet. Uh, so he's trying to like, you know, get him on the floor, but it doesn't work. And Kobe attacks Matt and Cody, and Cody attacks Chris, but they're both dealt with as well. And then uh, Kane almost hits, almost choke slams them, but they, they hit him with double DVT. So you get Matt and Trish and kind of work. They're trying to win the match individually, but they're trying to like deal with these threats jointly, which I thought was mm-hmm. a nice thing to see. Um, they sandwich Kane with a ladder, and then um, Matt decides to turn on Christian and um, hit him with the ladder, and then he goes for the uh, Christopher Fate, but Christian manages to reverse it, and he's pretty much like rolled him into a ladder practically. And then he uses the ropes to push. You know, he has Matt on the ladder and then he uses the ropes as leverage to, to kind of like drive it more into the um, ladder as well, which is but we're seeing like submission maneuvers on ladder matches, but he's not he's not doing it to make him submit, he's doing it to hurt him more and kind of incapacitate him a bit longer. Yeah, I do find that I do find that in particular interesting. Yeah, that's uh, I imagine that's also why the the gimmick of like, you know, of uh, finishers coming into effect in this match. Obviously, a finisher will not do much in trying to actually win the match, but it can incapacitate someone. Although, then again, seeing seeing some of these matches, someone could take three finishers, and the nature of how the pace goes in that match comes. It'd be like, oh yeah, it's like five minutes later. Like, oh yeah, I'm alright. Yeah, I'm gonna climb up here now. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine now. So uh, with that. Uh... Trish starts to climb up, but Cody topples it, and then he sends that sends Christian into big shows on the on the outside. Um, Kane gets like especially fucked up here. He gets hit with a disaster kick by Cody Rhodes, then a troubling power by Cody, and a twist of fate by Matt. Um, he gets under that later on with Mark Henry as well. Um, Cody starts to climb up, but Cody stops him with a bike suplex, and then Cody and Matt start to um, climb up and fight. 
Uh, McIntyre topples it and then uh, then sends them both of them into the wing post and then he sends Ziggler into the wing post as well. Um, Payne then pulls McIntyre out of the wings. I don't know, we see McIntyre just like disappear. Um, and then he tries to choke Simon through the announce table, but he gets stopped. Um, and then Cody was this Payne, around the was this around the point where Kane just started removing basically everything from the announce table because I think I had a dumb joke note, which was that uh, Kane's removing all the monitors except Stryker's monitor. Yeah. <laughs> For some yeah. reason, I just, I feel like we could make a joke about, uh, you know, ribs and how bad Stryker is in commentary, but I mean, I don't, I mean, I feel like that's a cliche thing to be like, Matt Stryker was really bad during this time, but... Uh, I, I don't think he was that bad, I quite like Mike Stryker commentary. He can be a bit technical, and he kind of, I think mean, because of it, it's, it kind of is a little bit technical, it doesn't mind a little bit of Gwilym Osukumun. Gwilym Osukumun was very good at describing what happens to the body when they do, like, a move. Yeah, uh, but the problem with that is that almost always, especially with the commentary Colin King, you just hear the you hear the animosity instead of hearing like anything that would be resembling chemistry. Yeah. And then Stryker does things like where he'll be like like he keeps calling Big Show the giant, which I get it, you know, knock knock, he's a big guy, but like after a certain point it's almost like Look at here, I've watched, I, I like WCW, so I'm going to call him by his WCW thing. You're like, after a certain point, it gets really obnoxious. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, because in, in this bit, um, Kane, he starts dismantling the English announce table, and then starts dismantling the Spanish announce table. So I was like, you've just dismantled one, why are you going for the other? But, uh... <laughs> It, it must it must start doing it and they're like going no 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 do the Spanish one do the Spanish one so he does that one instead. Yeah, I was gonna say I I wonder if there was just a situation where they were just like uh, <laughs> Cade's like Cade's in the, the the mental instinct of Cade is like destroyed on this one. And then they're like uh, no the ladder's over here we're gonna yeah. do it over here and then he's like oh okay just get that done. <laughs> Here you go, Striker. Here's a monitor. You'll need it because you're not good at your job. Er. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kane masters grab a ladder, but he gets hit by a baseball slide with Kofi, and then he goes after McIntyre and he's covered in paradise. And then Kofi uh, left Gross McIntyre off the ladder through the Spanish last table. So McIntyre does eventually go through the ladder. Uh, I go through the table, sorry. Um, Ziggler then climbs up the la- uh, another ladder, but he gets choked down by Show. And then Kane attacks Show, but he gets sent into the corner, and then he gets a ladder thrown at him and then splashed. Um, and then there's a bit where Cody goes after Big Show, but he gets sent out of the wing. And Christian and Matt were together again. He, he hits Show with a ladder, and when they try again, Show stops it and then splashes the ladder onto them. Which I always find weird where you do a move onto, you try and like send the, the ladder onto a person, but you have, but you kind of hurt yourself in the process. It's kind of like, you know, one of those like lack of logic things where you oh, like yeah. you hurt yourself to hurt them more. Yeah, Co- yeah, Kofi Kofi does this a lot in Light Ratches where he will be like, Let me do my uh, boom drop on the ladder. A move yeah. that will probably hurt me <laughs> realistically way more than it will hurt them. But yeah. you know, it's a ladder match. Let's we'll just go with it. Yeah. 
Um, Shodan goes outside and then gets the uh, the super sized ladder from Wind of the Wing. Um, Striker says that it's three hundred fifty pounds, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think it is. But it is. I mean, they massive. did a really good. I think they Big Show did a really good job of making it seem like it was three hundred fifty pounds. Oh yeah, he spends a good three or four minutes trying. He is struggling to get it into the wing, and he's trying to sell how big and how heavy it is. And he gets to trowel. I can't remember because he, he turns he turns so often. Um, I can't remember if he was a face or a heel at this time. I think he was uh, a baby face at this point. Yeah. So um, so he you know the chip, the trowel starts getting into it. They sort of like you know cheer him on and then he gets it. He finally gets it in and they all cheer. Um, and then he gets it up as well. Uh, but he doesn't climb up because coat. During all that time, that gives time for some wrestlers to recover. And Cody attacks the anchor show and then starts to climb up. Um, but Ziggler stops that, put him on his shoulders, and then just uh, slams him down. Um, but Ziggler starts to climb up and then Show slaps him off. Um, show like, headbutts uh, Matt Hardy and then Kofi tries to climb up before he gets. Kofi hits him with a DDT. Uh, and then he starts to slowly cut. Pretty much slowly climb up the uh, ladder, but Cody drop kicks him off and then hits him with one of my favorite finishing maneuvers, crossroads. Oh, yeah, that's a good move, I would yeah. say. Yeah, um, but then um, Ziggler hits a zigzag and that sends Cody into like the ladder. And they comment, and oh, uh, because it's so big and heavy that it doesn't move. Because normally, if you send someone to a normal ladder, the ladder would at least move, but with this one, it doesn't move an inch. Um, so that's kind of good in selling that. Um, and then show kind of headbutt Cody, then Ziggler, and then he starts to climb up. Um, but uh, Kane is strong enough to kind of slightly topple the ladder and send show to the outside. And then everyone decides to um, bury the big show alive with ladders. <laughs> that was a funny spot. Poor, yeah, poor big show. Most of like, because uh, I think this, like, most of this match was basically the idea that, like, that Big Show has just kind of lucked into this ladder match. Now, not that he lucked into it in the sense that, like, you know, he's like a bad guy who sneaks into things. Yeah. No, it's, it's like just more it's like, how is Big Show going to exist in this ladder match? Yeah. And well, most, I... of, yeah, most of the time he just get, kind of gets hurt, and then at the end of the match he just gets buried on the ladders. Yeah. Um. I think because one one of the posts that we talked about was when uh, Big Show decided to, uh, sorry, Undertaker decided to murder the big boss man at WrestleMania. So um, we seem to pick very, like, murdery type matches. <laughs> I don't know if it was that bad. No. Oh, no, nothing like that. There's a big difference between burying a man under 20 ladders and yeah. which he, which. Uh, I don't know how heavy ladders are in that sense, but. Uh, I mean, if belts are as heavy as they're supposed to be, I think they. I think Big Show, uh, a healthy Big Show, could probably uh, get out of those. But yeah. uh, that's that's better than literally hanging a man <laughs> in the middle of the ring. Yeah, that's true. In a um, manner that suggests that he could that he is in fact killing him in a in the terrifying lynching style. <laughs> yes. Um. With it, now we get to um, Kane starts to choke Sam Tristan and then Matt Hardy and then he pulls off Kofi and Cody who's climbing up the ladder. 
Uh, Kane starts to climb up, but Ziggler climbs over him, and then when Kane tries to stop him, Ziggler applies his sleeves to kind of slow him down. Uh, but Kane uh, deals that and then pushes Ziggler onto uh, Show's tomb, effectively. Um, and then Kane gets well, Kane gets pulled out uh, by Kofi and King and Cody Rhodes. Um, and then Kane co-counts Kofi onto the tomb and then bends. Uh, and then and then one thing I found quite weird is that um, Cody flees, so Kane runs after him. And then he sends Cody headfirst into the armor truck, because for this time they had the armor trucks on the stage. So he sends them headfirst yep. into that. I genuinely asked in the notes. I tried to take a look and see if there was an armored truck match at the show. Yeah. There was not. It was literally just an armored truck in the stage. WWE was so flush with cash, apparently, in the year 2010 that they just said. Hey, you know what would be a great metaphor for the, the money in the bank thing? Let's have an armored truck. Yeah, the thing that gets me is, like, like Cody's fleeing, and I'm like, I'm like, I get it was a match between you two, but your objective is to, is to get a briefcase, so why are you running after him? Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. But that's just me. Um, well, Kane comes back because Matt Hardy starts to uh, climb up the ladder, but Kane eventually pulls him off. And then, um, Matt and Christian slam Kane off the ladder. Uh, and then they fight at the top, but they end up falling off. Uh, McIntyre recovers from his, um, being, like, put through a table. Um, and then he starts to climb up, but Kane follows him, and then he pushes McIntyre off the ladder, grabs the briefcase, and wins the match. Um, so that's the end of the match. Um, did you think Kane, Kane winning was a good decision? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, considering the competitors in that match, probably not. Like, I feel like, but then again, considering the outcome of the uh, other one, fusion really. But then it also creates another question of like, well, then why do two of them? Because it's like. To kind of spoil, but it, it doesn't really matter because by the time we get to the second match, it has already happened. But Kane wins this match. I believe Kane's going into the match as a babyface. But Kane wins the match. Then uh, there's a Rey Mysterio-Jack Swagger title match later in the show. Uh, Ray barely wins it. Kane comes in to cash in the money in the bank and beats Ray to win the title. So... Yeah. Yeah, Kane, Kane doesn't fuck around. He doesn't the same fastest, day. Yeah, it's both the fastest cash-in in the history of the Money in the Bank and also, I believe, the very rare case in which a guy blatantly turned on the same show as well. Because like, he clearly goes into that match as a babyface. Like, the crowd yeah. reaction everything, the way that people respond to do, him doing stuff to Drew and whatnot, he's clearly supposed to be seen as a face. And then he quickly becomes a heel, you know, yeah. on the same show, which that development is interesting, but <laughs> it doesn't really lead anywhere interesting. And um, again, maybe they were just trying to avoid confusion on that just because, you know, it's like the idea that like, well, what if we have two Money in the Bank holders? Then that doesn't really mean anybody's really Mr. Money in the Bank, you know, or, or something. Yeah. But again, these are all questions that could have easily been answered by just not doing two ladder matches. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I think with Kane, I kind of understood it because this was in the middle of 
they just started a feud between them because uh, Undertaker was found in a vegetative tape by Kane. Uh, oh, and then yeah. Mysterio That's replaced huge. him, and then he went to the win the, the World Heavyweight Championship just before Money in the Bank. And then uh, then when he beat Swagger to retain it, Kane came in, wins the title. And then they have their feud because I think Kane, I don't know if Kane thinks that Mysterio attacked the Undertaker, which I find really funny because Mysterio's like the smallest guy in the roster. So oh, I, yeah. would, I would be impressed if he did that. Well, then I think you'd find out that it's actually Kane who did it. He, he's a kind of scapegoat in Mysterio. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much uh, the story of the SmackDown brand. Um, with the War one, um, the competitors for that one are uh, Mark Henry, Edge, uh, Ted Debiossi Jr., The uh, Miz, John Morrison, Evan Bourne, Randy Orton, and Chris Jericho. Uh, same questions on the SmackDown one. Do you think that was a good group of guys to have this match? In the, in that case, I, that's probably going to be the best group you could find in that particular instance. It's just, I'll be, like, that 2010's Raw roster was very weird in that there was a lot of top-heavy placeholder main event guys that are already there. Yeah. And then you have, like, that was during that weird time where... Uh, they were trying really. I I do think they were actually trying to develop Evan Bourne as a guy, like as a major guy, like because he had like the Masters of Orton, and they even mentioned on the show that like there there's a beautiful spot where Evan Bourne tries the airborne and it turns into an RKO, and that's probably yeah. I would imagine that's the first of those instances of uh, someone attempting their high flying move and Randy Orton being able to creatively turn it into an RKO. I mean, most recent example of this, of course, would be when Seth Rollins attempted the curve stop at uh, WrestleMania 31 and Randy Orton turns it into an RKO and it looks amazing. Yeah, and I, I, did, that, I did kind of mark out when that happened. Yeah, and then, and then that's kind of the same thing with the Evan Bourne thing where like it was obvious that they were putting him up into something of an upper upper echelon sort of push, like they, I think they had like Cena endorse him even, like you know, and like you know, have like a major main event match on Raw and stuff like this. But at the same time, this is also a weird cast of characters that ends up like not really like 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 Orton. This is during a really weird period for Randy Orton. Um... Edge, I think, ends up basically getting hurt right after this. Um, yeah. And, like, Jericho's Jericho's doing his thing. Was, wait, was Jericho in this match or was he in the other match? No, he, I'm he not going to lie. He was in, he's in this. He's in the warm-up. But they, but early <laughs> that shows the you how well Jericho did in both of those matches. <laughs> I yeah, just don't remember that he's even in it. Yeah, um, early, uh, early in the year was when they had the, uh, the Edge-Jericho feud. And then, uh, but and then Jack Swagger cashed in on Jericho. Uh, this might have been after WrestleMania. Oh yeah, the right. So um, okay. that's it. Um, so when this match begins, Edge just slides out straight away, and, um, and so they all start. Everyone but him start fighting, and then they all end up at the outside. And then Edge, by being the ultimate opportunist, um, sets up a ladder, and then he starts to climb up. But um, Alden stops him. And then DiBiase hits Morrison with a ladder, and then, but, uh, or tries to hit him with a ladder, but Morrison, uh, ducks, and then he does a spinning kick, but DiBiase clothesline Morrison onto the ladder. So, at the end of the match, you get a lot of stuff by DiBiase as well. 
Um, yeah, that's too- actually very, very creative spot. Like, not like a spot that you certainly remember after it happens, but like, it's like, oh, that's a neat way to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing with Ted DiBiase, because did, because he just left Legacy and then, um, he, day after, that was the same year's dad got, um, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, so he gets his, um, his trust fund. And I think with him, I thought he was a decent wrestler, but I think they kind of dropped the ball in, because what, I think what WWE did was kind of effectively recreate 2010 version of the Million Dollar Man. And I think they should have gone Ted DiBiase Jr., God bless him, he is like the prime example of someone that is the exact opposite of the person that's uh, like, you know, that raised him. Like, yeah. In the same sense that Mike Rotundo can create Bray Wyatt's, you know, yeah, like, Bray oh Wyatt yeah, this knowledge, weird. Yeah guy that could barely talk uh, creates this son that's like this crazy cult leader character. Ted DiBiase Jr. would never have been, is never going to be like a great million dollar man type of guy. He's just like, there's too much about his character. Like, it's clear that they were, that they saw something in the guy. I mean, he, he was pushed this highly for a while, a good while. And obviously, Obviously, they were trying something with the Maurice thing, although that, you know, like other other than like the cute spot that's in this match with Maurice, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, that 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 thing that was that was. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind yeah. of a waste of both of them. So that's interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think with Dibiossi, I mean, um, I don't think it helped. The first thing he does is trying to find his own version, his old Virgil. So he tries to find the blackest guy in the company, R-Truth, and ask him to do it. So understandably, R-Truth doesn't take that well. But I think one thing would have... I think if you were through wrestling, if you have money, you're a heel. And I think it would have been nice if they switched that. Because I, I, I can't... As you said earlier, you can't see him being that kind of million-dollar man. But you could have had him like be a face and like use his trust fund to like, help people, you know, because... WWE do a lot of like charity stuff and give away like charity money, but you can make you can kayfabe that and I have you know Dibiase using his trust fund to give you know, money away and then you can start a feud with his dad or something like that. I thought they did something like that. I think I had, the I had seriously oh I seriously thought that um that uh, there was a point where Ted Dibiase Jr. almost turns like he basically turns face for the remaining bit of time he's in the company. Yeah. And up that they give for him being a babyface is that he has these DiBiase posse parties that you know he basically hangs out with the fans, he tailgates with the fans, and all the while still having a song that says "I come for money, yeah. I come for class," <laughs> which to me kind of I felt like they they didn't quite put two and two together on that, but I felt like the implication is supposed to be that he's like like the guy that would go to, like, a live event, and they'd be yeah. like, oh, yeah, party of my thing. And they're like, well, do I need to bring anything? Like, no, I got everything right here. You know, you yeah. got your beers, you got your brats, you know, all that, you know. Yeah. To where I feel like if they made more of an obvious link that, like, no, Ted Ted just, like, funds these parties out of his own pocket. That's why, you know, the trust fund thing. I, I feel like that would have made that character, like, it, it, it. I mean, at the end of the day, it didn't really matter that much, but... Yeah. It it would have been a nice link to this character was a dickhead who had a lot of money to this character is a guy that likes people and will, will it, like uh, when when you go out to the club he's buying you know that sort yeah. of thing. 
so back to the match, um, Dibiose hits Autumn with a ladder where he gets dropped by Bourne. And then Miz throws out Bourne and they start fighting Jericho. Um, so Mark Henry then throws a ladder at them. And then Jericho attacks Mark Henry with another ladder. And then he goes after Bourne before kicks him down. And then uh, Bourne climbs up and Edge pulls him off. He kind of pulls him off, but, he, but Bourne managed to like, reverse into a hook on uh, so what I thought was a, a nice move for Bourne to do. I mean, I think it's obvious Bourne's not going to win the match, but he's going to do these high-flying moves to kind of keep the crowd, you know, the highest one, keep the crowd interested in the match. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, it's, it, I'm not going to lie when I say this is about the point where I look at my notes and I'm like, oh, I don't have many of them. <laughs> like, I, I, I remember the comments where... I, I feel like I paid way more attention to the commentary, yeah. which I don't know why I did that, because that's yeah. a terrible thing for me to do at this point, but this is probably the point where they got really, like... This is the point in the commentary where they just got sick of each other, clearly, because, like, Michael Cole would say asinine stuff like, you know, Evan Bourne, he's a lot like that run-and-gun style of the NFL, which is great for, you know, foreign audiences are like, what the hell is this? What, what is the running gun style? You know, what, what are you talking about? And also, I don't think he's a lot like a quarterback that can throw the ball and also run. No, <laughs> don't think that's a thing. No, probably not, no. Uh, I said, well, I wasn't, there wasn't really anything in the commentary during this match that kind of stood out um, to me. Uh, I think I'm so used to his hearing them now and kind of semi-tuning out. Um, so, was not closely contacted for years. So, uh, after a while, he's like, just start to like, stop that. Um, Morrison then, uh, no, sorry, Alton starts to tap boy and then he hits his hanger DDT, or if ever uses the rope to use the ladder. And then, uh, he gets hit by flash kick by Morrison, which is basically a disaster kick. Uh, but, and then he gets attacked by mid and WRC. Um, and then, there's a bit where uh, Morrison starts to climb up and then Edge, Jericho and Orton all climb another ladder and they all go for the briefcase. Uh, Henry stops that by topping them both ladders. Uh, quite easy. Which actually was, which is actually a pretty cool way to integrate the obvious toppling both ladder spots. Yeah. I do like that they play, like, that they act... That was actually an interesting way to go about it because the whole narrative of it is that you see Mark Henry struggling to do it. That you yeah. see him go like, and then he topples him. And then Matt Striker ruins the moment entirely by just yelling, Hercules! And they're like, yeah. and then the rest of the commentary team's like, shut up! Stop yeah. that! <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, um, but then Bourne loses a lot of just spring ball into Henry, and that's, like, that's everyone down. Uh, Marisu is, now, was he, Ted, was she Ted to be honest, like, Special advice or something like that, or just the girlfriend. Or Their relationship is a very weird relationship. Right. That's the other thing about that feed that's weird because it's like, and this is not to say like I'm I'm trying to like you know avoid casting aspersions about like characters because when that happens, is I I basically realize that ninety percent of the time, if I'm reading into a character, it is definitely fan wank and it is not you know should not be taken as the character. Yeah. But Ted DiBiase and Maurice are supposed to be boyfriend-girlfriend. That is the int- that is the exact thing that the narrative of the show is telling us. 
the, the announcers are like, oh, yeah, Ted DiBiase and his relationship with Maurice, you know, that that's the narrative. But this yeah. is, but their relationship is, is the most chaste relationship I could ever imagine. She just kind of, they just kind of come out together, you know. You know, she kind of, you know, hugs on him a little bit, and then she just goes to, goes to her corner, and then he just goes do that. So, when Maurice, uh, and I know which spot you're talking about, when Maurice is in this spot in the match, she's the only one standing. Yeah. And this is a point where, of course, <laughs> Maurice starts gliding, starts getting a ladder. Well, the, I think the ladder's already stood up. But, yeah. You know, she goes into the ring. And she starts climbing up the ladder. And everyone is like, can she do this? <laughs> and then the refs, I think the I think the point where it actually gets kind of funny is that the that commentary actually does mention that, like, well, the refs are looking at this, and they're just like, well, what's she going to do? <laughs> like, what would have happened if Maurice won the Money in the Back ladder match? Would she get the title shot of the WWE <laughs> Championship? Or would Ted have it? You know, what does... Does the match restart because she's not an actual competitor? That's. I'll be honest. I kind of wish that the spot had actually went all the way through because I want to see what the actual response would have been. Would it have been like, wasn't there like like an Ultimate X match or or something that happened once where where the, the title dropped down and they had to put it back up? Or yeah, some, yeah, some, something like all, yeah. that. Where they were like, oh yeah, we have to put this back up. We have to restart the match now. <laughs> no one won. Yeah. Or yeah. or there was, or actually, no, think about it. There was a storyline, I think it was like in SmackDown vs. Raw, one of the SmackDown vs. Raw games, where I, I feel like I remember this as vividly as I can possibly remember it, but I think the storyline is supposed to be that it's like Chris Masters and Carlito... And for some reason, they are feuding over the world title. And Trish Stratus is in the is uh, uh, the odd third person in, and yeah. they have a ladder match. And then the title drops, and then Trish picks up the title, and they say Trish Stratus is the new world champion. Yeah. And you're like, what is the hell is going on here? That would be weird. Um, so when we start to climb up, uh, Molson, no. I, I think this is the only time, because this is obviously, I think this is the first or second year, it's PG era. So, um, I was, I was convinced John Mars was gonna like, like, kill Moise with a move. Yeah. Uh, and then, but, but her, the actual response ends up actually, actually the actual response makes me end up feeling worse, although, I actually like it when it gets to the very end of it, which is that John Morrison picks her up, basically holds her as if, Maurice is like uh, the blonde woman in King Kong, and he yeah. is King Kong, as if yeah. in that in that formation. And then, of course, he sets her down. And John then, in a wonderful moment for you know feminism everywhere, is like, "You're not in this match. You shouldn't be in it." Yeah, and you're like great. Cool. <laughs> which to which to which my I start yelling at the screen. Well, why not? <laughs> what? What? Like? What? Are you scared she's gonna win the match? Like, what? what, what what's happening here? Yeah, but then cool. while it happens, Ted DiBiase starts climbing the ladder up, and then everyone's like, "Oh, oh crap!" And then he's gotta get back in it, and it actually yeah. works pretty well as 
not necessarily a ruse because the whole idea is supposed to be that Ted's already out, but Ted taking yeah. advantage of the situation and trying to just sneakily win the match that way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that was I think Debbie also sort of, like side kind of seized the opportunity. Uh, like Miz, uh, Mark sent to the outside and Miz starts attacking him, and then he uh, tries to catapult him onto a ladder that's, that's by the windpost, but also lines him up and then climbs up that, and then climbs up another, uses another ladder to get to Edge, who is only set up ladder and climbing up. So that's a nice, you know, nice spot by John Morrison there. And I forgot that he, he's, it's a bit like cold feet, just like the high flying the numbers and stuff like that. Um, so, but, uh, Edge stops that by pulling Morrison in between the, uh, the wounds of the ladder that they set up. And then, uh, with the help of Miz, they start, uh, hitting, hitting Morrison with another ladder. And then Ed uses that ladder to hit Miz right in the head. Uh, so I did like that. <laughs> yeah. And I just see Miz, like, you know, holding his head, going, one of his bleeding and stuff like that. Um, uh, and then Edge kind of topples Morrison ladder while Morrison was still is still in it, um, which didn't probably did not land well. Morrison, no, he did not. <laughs> I think it, I think they immediately start being like, "Wow, he's got some welts on his back." You're like, usually when they start noting the welts on a person's back, that's when you you can you can surmise in a reality. Yeah, he did land very well on that one. That's not yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, with this, and then, uh, Dibiase comes back and he taps Edge of the ladder and then he starts to climb up. But, um, but Henry kind of, well, slows him down. Uh, Dibiase tries to crossbody Henry, but that turns into a bad idea because Henry just grabs him and then hits the world's strongest slam on him. Um, and then Henry knocks down Jericho and then he pressed Sam's Miz onto him. So, um, Henry, like, Mark Henry's, like, getting really dominant here, and he looks like uh, he's going to win it. Um, Henry starts to climb up the ladder, but, uh, Bourne climbs over him, and then Ed is brought to the beat on Henry and Bourne. And they send Henry to the outside. Okay. Sorry. Uh. Oh, I was gonna say, this is also about the point in the match when, uh, uh, I really like how Bourne is that spot. But yeah. this also starts being around the point in the match where uh, I think at, at one point during this exchange, Evan Bourne is on the ladder and Jericho is on the other side of the ladder. And Evan Bourne is basically at the top of the ladder. And at this point, like he's basically grabbed the briefcase to the point to where it's like... Like he, it feels like he's up there for what feels like fifteen or twenty seconds. Yeah, where uh, he's—it's obvious he's trying to see, like he's trying to get you know something. Something had either happened to Jericho or Jericho hadn't quite got his footing quite yet, and he's trying to stall for that. So, and of course, commentary eventually at that point is just like, "Well, he can't uh, undo the uh, mechanism that does yeah. this." Yeah, and you're like, like, oh, oh, for crying out loud on yeah, that, that one. Yeah, so that's, that's, um, that's like, just, that's like near the end there. And it, but just before that, um, Orton kind of, um, pulls down, uh, Morrison Jabber and Paddington on the ladder. And Orton pulls down Morrison, hit the arcade him, and then, and then, uh, Bourne, like, flies up in the air, uh, to splash Orton, but he was going to stand to the RKO as well. Uh, but Bourne does nothing, just about recover. 
and then Cloud to Ladder, and that's when he kind of looked like briefcase because I was like, I know, I know it's going to win it, obviously, but like, but it looked to me for sounds like, oh, Bourne's going to win this, but he spent like ages trying to hook the briefcase. Um, Poor guy. Then, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I understand why that's like a situation that like when like you know the other your other dance partner can't quite get their footing yeah. in that it's kind of really tough to stall in a situation like that to be like, well, I'm just bad at bad at uh, undoing stuff, unhooking yeah. stuff here. Like, I mean, that's I mean, it kind of makes your character look dumb, but I, I also realize that in that particular situation, especially. Uh, you, you don't really have any other option but to make your character look dumb, other yeah. or or fake win the match that you're not supposed to win. Yeah, so definitely. you know, there's not really any option there. Yeah. Um, Edge uh, climbs up and he fights out with Jericho. Uh, we must have knocked down Jericho a couple of one, and that gives Orton the chance to RKO. Uh, and then Orton pushes and Edge into a ladder. Uh, that was uh, set up. Set up that was set up right next to the ladder arm, but it was upside down for some reason. I mean, Dibby also was trying to do something, and he just kind of earlier in the match kind of set it up upside down for I presume this spot later on. Um, also starts to climb up the chairs, but uh, Miss topples the ladder, uh, climbs up, and gets the briefcase to win the match. Um, and that's over in just over 20 minutes. Um, do you think that was a at the time that was a good decision? I think. Um, by the way, by the way, before before I get to that, one thing I did find really funny is that when Miz goes up there, he can unlock it immediately. Yeah, <laughs> like it took it, less it, than it a second away. for him. It took less than a second for him to just be like, "Oh yeah, I have it, <laughs> I have it now." Yeah. I, I found that kind of funny after everything that has transpired in like the previous two matches. But uh, but but um, I get you know. Knowing how history works and whatnot, I mean, I guess. I mean, I can't... Of the people that are in that match, I mean, you don't really want to do, like, you know, a finish of, like, a clear main event or just winning the match again, because, like... How lame would that finish have been if, like, the if like Randy Orton won the Money in the Bank? Like, you know, yeah, like, like, it, like when Randy Orton won the Money in the Bank years later, that was that was kind of lame. And we even had like a guy that you know, we st- because the one thing that what that is charming about the Money in the Bank concept is supposed to be the idea that if whoever gets it is someone that's in the mid-card, or maybe the upper mid-card, someone that's not considered a fully pushed entity, someone that's, uh, sadly, in, in other times, could easily be forgotten. Yeah. Um, you know, or, you know, someone like that. That, when they hold the briefcase, that's their, that's their chance to make themselves. And yeah. most of the time, doesn't quite work out like that, although... Hulk was elevated by the fact that he won the briefcase. You know, later examples being, you know, someone like Seth Rollins certainly was helped a lot, but like not maybe not necessarily by the briefcase, but the idea of him as the holder of the briefcase somehow elevated to, you know, at the same time, you know, that, yeah, that there and you know even going back to like Edge or or you know even even Rob Van Dam to to a certain extent like that having that briefcase does in a sense. 
if not immediately elevates them, it usually creates a process in which they are elevated over time. Yeah. And again, that, that's not always the case, but that's enough of the case for enough of the time that uh, it makes the match still mean something. Yeah. Like even even when like you see like a Jack Swagger or Damian Sandow win it, and then either their cash in fails or they you know yeah. something goes wrong or something. You know, even when that happens, there's enough of, like, the, you know, the good times, you know, punk or edge or what have you to where you can be like, oh, yeah, or or, or, or even Daniel Bryan winning, you know, the money in the bank, you know, like, enough of those good times to where you could be like, okay, yeah, there, there's probably, you know, it's it does more good than harm. And in that lineup, I don't want to be a total, like, you know, like, oh, Miz was the best thing going on that show, right? you know, at that time, because I, I don't fully believe that. But of those competitors, he was probably the only one that w- would have been, he's probably the most interesting choice. I mean, yeah. it was worth do. It was worth the try. I mean, it, what, whatever they did to him afterwards, you know, it doesn't really... It doesn't really matter to that to that extent, just because I mean they, I mean they, I just can't imagine that they would have done anything with like you know, like a like John Morrison or I mean they could have done with maybe Born, but you know I also yeah. don't think that like the danger of a Money in the Bank briefcase is the idea of it being a surprise thing yeah. means that you either have to do one of two things with it, which is. One, you have to put it on a heel so that everyone knows that that sneaky heel could easily cash in and yeah. win it, a la Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 31 or Edge at uh, that New Year's Revolution show in 2006 yeah. or except you know etc cetera, etc cetera, Punk Punk in 2009, yeah. so, you know those, those examples, or you have to have the baby the a babyface win it. But he has to be so chivalrous about it that he says, I have this briefcase. I will compete with you in a one-on-one wrestling match for it. And then the problem with that ends up being that most of the time, I mean, the the example I think is like when John Cena won the Money in the Bank, an absurd sentence if there ever was one, the more that I think about it. Uh, When John Cena won the Money in the Bank. Like the on, the only choice for that character obviously was to have him be like, uh, I'm gonna put this in a one on one wrestling match. I'm not going to sneakily cash it in. I'm not going to do anything like that. Yeah. Um. So it so with that it just creates a lot of interesting examples to where it's like, unless you want to just completely redefine a character, there's not really many ways that babyface could win. So it would take away the option for. Like even if they were pushing Evan Bourne really well, like they they it just wouldn't have happened. It, yeah. So it would have had to have been a bad guy. And Edge Zari won the thing, and we didn't really need him to win it again. And Orton, I guess, was a babyface at that time, and I guess he would have been a respectable pick. I mean, he ended up winning it later anyway. So, but again, that would have been a very very safe and stupid ending. Yeah, uh, sure. So yeah, it's I guess uh, of the people there, like 
I mean, I guess I would have. <laughs> it's funny. I probably would have actually tried to see if I could get CM Punk to win it again, but yeah. uh, I know he's hurt at this time, so it just, that's you know out of the question. Yeah, I think I know he goes on to commentary later in the year. Uh, yeah, this is. Yeah, this is it right before even the that one really weird episode of NXT that's uh, when you watch back and you were like, originally you're like, this is really funny, and then you start realizing, oh, he's just shaming all these women. That's cool. I mean, except for the part where that's not cool at all, you know, you yeah. know. So that's you know that that 2010 was a really weird period, you guys. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's... This, is, this is a pay per view that ends with. With the season one NXT rookies that we that we had thought were like stupid, like were stupid and useless, just attacking dudes in a cage match. Because why not? Why not? Yeah, it's true. Um, with the Miz, he cashes in. Uh, he waits. He has a contract for twenty seven days until the day after the Survivor Series. Um, Orton at this time is the WWE champion, and he has a match against Wade Barrett in the Nexus. However. Wendy Orton uh, had been attacked by the Nexus uh, before the match. Uh, but Wendy Orton gets some help from uh, just unemployed John Cena. Uh, oh, which... God! I forgot about this, too! Oh, no, yeah. It's, it's weird, because I think, I think in the beginning of the war, because the night before, so I was seeing Cena lost, and he was lost, oh, he had to leave the company. So he does a speech going, like, I'm off, and I've come back. And then he comes back two hours later, Helps Orton defeat Wade Barrett, and then goes off again. And then the week later, the week after that, he starts attacking people with the boat. And I mean, I'm not this one that I mean, I just I'm I just stopped becoming seen to hate until 2012 when we went through his worst year ever um, in inverted commas. But things like that don't help when you're supposed to be debate at the Boy Scout, and you said I'm never going to be I'm, I'm off, not coming back. And then he comes back and just piece people up. Unprovoked, but um, anyway, um, Miz sees his opportunity, and one thing I like about Orton is that I just love his face when he hears Miz's music. His face is like it's insane. Okay, because in 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 most now as champion, he's going to expect this to happen, but I'm, I, you know with Miz there, so it the the look he seems to be okay. Right, he's cashing in now. I need to, I need to just coming kind of thing. I just like Orton's face. Uh, when that happens, um, and this is quite a few minute match. Um, Miz eventually um, reverses Arkyo and scores the finale and wins the title. Um, Cole at this time, uh, who at this time was pretty much brown nose in the Miz, um, pretty much just mocks and loses the shit over it. Um, and you get to see the angry Miz girl, which I forgot all about that until I saw her face. Oh yeah, that th- yeah that that's actually the one thing I actually did remember about this. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else, well, I was just like, oh, yeah, scene is free, scene is fired. Uh, then the other stuff, but then like I was like, oh yeah, the cash in, the, the angry girl, and yeah. you know, all that, and that that in itself, like, I, I'll give I'll give Miz that much credit. That angry girl gave him a lot of traction through a oh, period yeah. of time that normally would have easily wrecked, like, basically anybody else that had cashed in the money in the bank. Yeah. Because yeah. they're, they're, at that point, obviously, for whatever reason, probably just because of limitations and everything like that, they were going all in on Miz as yeah. 
the guy. As well, not isn't like the guy above like you know Cena or anything like that, but clearly as Cena's you know the the opponent that Cena's going to face at WrestleMania, and this is of course before we know about you know The Rock coming back and you know yeah. all this other crazy stuff that ended up happening at WrestleMania 27 that actually probably hurt Miz a heck of a lot more than it would have helped him certainly as champ. Yeah. Um, but uh, by that point, yeah, that's every. It seemed like it seemed like we were seeing the rise of a guy that uh, would be like this top guy that like that that he would be he would be at the level that like say Edge was yeah. up until the end there to where he would may they may not give him the title all the time but he would certainly be in main events. He would be the type of guy that if they had to do like a fatal four way or six way match, they were like, "Oh yeah, put Miz in that match." That he yeah. would be a player on that level for uh, for for perpetuity, basically, until you know, until they would just not have him be that guy anymore. Yeah, and think- as it turns out, they did not have him to be that guy for longer than the year. So and I, I, I did feel sorry for Miz because I I liked the championship reign and. Uh... And in the build, but when he had the build up with Cena, uh, even though Miz was doing, he was like, he was on the, he was on the mic all the time, he's like, I'm jumping. But it, it was a weird storyline because, yes, Miz is a champion, but the focus is not on him, it's on Cena and The Rock, who's not in this match. Because that's where the focus ends up being. And even though the Miz was like, even was, he was dominating John Cena for like a good, like, month before this match, and yet the focus wasn't on him. So I did feel a bit sorry for him, but uh, but I think now, I mean, I would love to see him as champion again, but I don't think that would ever happen unless they kind of restart, you know, kind of restarted with him. But it's, uh, I mean, I I like the Miz. Like there are there are things about like Miz, especially especially like as of the past, like probably right around. 2000, you know, mid to late 2014, when he plays up like this Hollywood gimmick of just being like, basically just coming out, just looking like Johnny Cage and yeah. doing, stu- you know, like with the with the bits with Miz Dow was you know pr- particularly special, you know, you know having like the having the stunt devil thing and everything like that, and I don't know if that is going to last really, especially since. By this point, we've already seen the split between him and Miz Dow. Miz Dow's actually been on TV more yeah. than uh, Miz has in the past month. Um, and I don't know, dude. I don't know if they just have him to do anything other than lose to Dolph Ziggler in random four-minute matches on SmackDown or something. And yeah. I mean, I guess it's. I mean, I guess it works out the way that it usually would work out, which is to say that. WWE hedged their bets on a guy, and then they realized that they didn't even have to, you know, it's, it, this is going to be a weird analogy, but, like, they hedged their bets on a guy, and then someone else came back and they realized they didn't even need to be in the game anymore. Because, yeah. like, when The Rock can't, when The Rock basically outright, you know, is just like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be back, they, WWE immediately just kind of got, I got pretty lazy about it just because they were immediately just like, 
oh, thank God, we don't have to make this guy anymore. We can just have yeah. Rock and Cena do stuff for three years. And that's exactly what happened, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. It seems weird. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, um, Trey, uh, where can we find you in that? Okay, I'm on uh, Twitter.com. At, uh, at Twitter.com, you can uh, listen to all the great opinions of the people of the world. No. Um, I'm at uh, Twitter. My uh, handle is... Uh, at Irby the Cleaner to spell uh, Irby out is I R B Y and then the Cleaner because uh, again I think I was just really I got really obsessed with uh, Kenny Omega joining the Bullet Club yeah. about like three or four, about a few months back when that happened <laughs> and so I thought that that was a much funnier name than uh, my previous name which was wait for it Bad Luck Fall Tray. Uh, yeah, named after a dad. Now I'm sure that like when like I don't know when like Tama Tonga joins. Well, I guess Tama Tonga's already in the bull club. But I was gonna say when when Tama Tonga joins the thing that he's already in, I could just name myself Trey Matonga or something stupid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, I also have a. Uh, I'm also doing a, a Tumblr in which I'm writing a lot about uh, video games that I've played. I've basically been spending the bit of vacation time that I have um, just installing stupid games that I downloaded on on a PC, you know, on Steam and everything like that. And, uh, so hopefully by the time that uh, this goes up, uh, there will be a lot of those, and you will be able to read them at treyplaysgames.tumblr.com. Um, as for me, I'm on Twitter at LogOnWrestling, one word. Uh, one of the, what, look at PvP reviews, and if you ever get wild to it, some opinion pieces, uh, take a check, look at northernwestern.blogspot.com, and the podcast is at northernwestern.wordpress.com. So, trade fucking much for being on the show. Oh, yeah, no problem once again. Thank you, thank you for having me. These are always very, very fun and interesting, uh, uh, looks back at times that I'm learning that I've, Forgetting more often than I'm remembering, apparently. And um, join me next time where we will be talking about the Money Bank Ladder matches from 2011. So, until then, uh, thank you for listening and goodbye. Money, money.